0: Entrepreneurship is as much about the wins as it is about the failures. It's as much about the challenges as it is about the opportunities. I'm Amy Jo Martin.
1: Welcome to the Why Not Now show. Ah! that thing you've been thinking about doing yeah that one why not now have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself what's stopping me let's talk it through this is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action each episode I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes celebrities my parents rocket scientists and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, "Why not now?" We dissect that day or even that moment step by step. Just let go. Today, we have Farron Weiner on the show. She's a digital pioneer and creative wizard, really. She is an award-winning marketer, and her resume is extremely decorated. So she has Michael Kors, Jet Setter, recently the head of marketing for a fast-growing company called Sweetgreen. And it was recently that she asked herself... Can I be successful and happy at the same time? Can I be both? Success, she's definitely checked those boxes. And she's been the Forbes 30 Under 30 and all of those, you know, awesome titles and notable ways to be recognized. But she wanted to know, could she be happy at the same time? And she set out to figure that out. She set out on that journey. I asked her, what was a sign that you know some of that, that joy was missing, or maybe a lot of joy was missing? And one of her key indicators was, was she wanting to jump out of bed in the morning and go about her day, or was it the opposite? And so that was one of the key signs that had her start thinking about, wait, can I be both? Can I feel the joy, but also the success at the same time? And Farron is extremely honest in how this all went down and the process of exploring how to find both. She talks through her first few moves, leaving the corporate world, leaving the fancy job resume, and starting something on her own, and how that went down. It didn't go as planned at all in the beginning, the first time around. But she eventually stayed true to that goal of having both, and she's in a much different spot today. So she talks it through, she shares the details, and uh, this conversation just, it is extremely valuable in my opinion, especially for anyone who's kind of in the same boat and, and thinking the same thing. Faren shares her decision-making process and the filters that she has for everything she does, and how she's stayed true to these three specific criteria that has helped keep her on the right path and helped her kind of correct course at times. She is the founder of Fahrenheit, which is, uh, first of all, you have to go follow on Instagram, Fahrenheit. It is definitely setting itself apart from the pack. I mean, Farron's vision and creative genius is pretty special, so you will see what I mean as you follow along. She has clients who she loves working with, and um, they're growing quickly. Started from nothing, started from scratch out of her apartment in New York City, and it's a pretty amazing story that's still unfolding, and I appreciate how... Candid she is about the reality of the situation. She's been able to, you know, start to answer that question can you be successful and happy at the same time? And the answer is yes, she's doing it. And it's a step by step thing, but she talks through what that looks like for her. And everybody's formula is different. Are you ready for change? Or maybe you're already in a season of expansion. As we embrace this new decade, are you ready to take action on your own why not now idea? Maybe that means starting the company, launching the podcast, writing the book, or doing more public speaking, injecting your why into what you are doing. At the end of the day, that is exactly what creates connection. And connections convert. My life work is to help guide women through this very stage in their life. I do this through the Renegade Brand Bootcamp. It truly is the career love of my life. The reason I love this program so much is because I'm able to create a mosaic, a collection of like-minded, like-hearted, driven women who come together to level up. They learn the renegade mentality directly from me, and I share everything I've learned over the past 20 years in business. It's equal parts education, collaboration, accountability, and community. We are accepting applications for our 2020 program, and you are welcome to go check everything out about the program at renegadebrandbootcamp.com. And as a very first step, just sign up for my five-day email series. I uncover all of the questions about the bootcamp and help you understand if it's right for you. We've had some incredible women come through the program, and you will hear from them as well. You can check out the curriculum, the structure, the vibe, and everything in between. Many years ago, I went to Mark Cuban and asked him for investment advice. I thought I was going to get some real estate or stock market type of advice. Instead, he said, invest in yourself invest in your own growth, invest in yourself, bet on yourself. This is the best ROI you will ever find. If you're at that point where you are ready to take action, head to renegadebrandbootcamp.com. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery, the original before you go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you know what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. And you can hear the story about poopery in our interview with founder Susie Batisse. That's Why Not Now, episode 28. Poopery is also available at Bed Bath and Beyond. Far and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I am too. So much. I've been looking forward to this and we'll hop right in as we do. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you asked yourself the question, why not now? So,
0: for me, I think that the answer to why not now was actually more of an emotional feeling than it was a critical decision or milestone. I had been working in the world of marketing for almost 15 years. I had worked for fast-paced, high-growth companies, had had an incredible ride, but I was really, as I got into my 30s, asking myself this question of, can I be both successful and happy? And happiness was something that hadn't really come to my mind. Like I had never really thought about it as it related to my career. And I was so incredibly grateful and lucky of the experiences that I had um, and the journey that I had been on, but I was really lacking in this sort of emotion, like feeling happy every single day and not just feeling stressed or accomplished, but really like, am I feeling joy? And the moment for me of why not now was making the critical decision to lean into this challenge and try and seek happiness.
1: Mm, that's a biggie right there, isn't it? It's scary, I imagine, just the decorated resume that you have with the brands you've worked with and your ride, right, and then having that thought and being willing to actually explore it. So tell us keep keep going. Fill us in. Yeah. Well,
0: sitting down and saying to myself, can I be both successful and happy? And what does happiness even really mean to me? And I think that when you're in this sort of situation, as you mentioned, where you have a job that you love and cherish, you're being challenged every day, you're surrounded by brilliant people that are really pushing you, asking yourself this question of why aren't I happy is sort of really a big answer. And so for me, you know, I started my career out uh, really first and foremost as a storyteller, I was a writer, I was a photographer, and I thought that I would really more than anything be like a travel writer that worked for National Geographic. And I actually interned there in my early 20s here in New York while I was at film school at NYU. And I kind of kept pushing myself and really ended up actually in grad school studying global media and how technology was changing the way that we were telling stories. You know, it was right in the early 2000s where you no longer needed a record label or a book deal to publish you know, you could create and share your creation with the world. And I was really fascinated by how that was sort of changing and blurring the lines globally. And really what that led me to was social media. And I ended up at a company called jetsetter.com in the early 2000s. We were a travel platform under guilt group. And it was really the first time where I took this idea of storytelling and publishing, bringing it out to the world and put those two together and ended up being the person that kind of grabbed at the gold and said, Like, let me take on these new forms of media as they're being developed. I was, you know, on Twitter the first day it launched. When Facebook opened up its API, I was the first person to be like in it, you know, at the company. And it really sort of what that role did was it transitioned me from a storyteller to a marketer. And I think as a marketer, I've always taken this path of being story first. You know, what is the story that we're telling? And that led me to Michael Kors. I was at Michael Kors for three incredible years During the IPO, at a really fast pace of growth, really thinking about how do we translate the brand um, from being an American fashion brand to a global fashion brand, and had the opportunity to tell the story of Michael Kors in all of these markets worldwide. And then I landed at Sweetgreen, and Sweetgreen was a really interesting challenge. Sweetgreen is one of the largest fast-growing, fast-casual restaurants here in the U.S., Uh, with a mission to build healthier communities by connecting people to real food. And it was a mission-driven company in a really fast pace of growth. And I was brought in to really put them on the national stage. And so in a weird way, on one hand, I was telling stories. But I think that the 15 years almost of being in-house had really worn on me. And it's not something that we often talk about, right? This idea of being successful or being accomplished, or growing financially uh, or in your career are the things I think that we often in sort of this world, certainly in the tech world, talk about more than we talk about happiness. And I felt this real yearning to seek it. And I also felt like I was giving my teams this advice that I wasn't giving myself, which was, if you take care of yourself, mentally, physically, emotionally, you're gonna show up every day at work stronger and better. And I wasn't taking care of myself. And it was this sort of aha moment for me as I transitioned into my 30s and into a later stage, I think, of my career that really forced me to say, can I accomplish both and why not now? And that was what really led me ultimately to where I am today, which is we started, I really started actually um, exploring what founders today need. And for me, I have three filters for decision-making. The first has always been, is there a founder or a team that I can both learn from and teach? And this idea and this desire to continuously be learning has something that has always guided me. I think the second was, is there a ripe story to be told? Like, Mm -hmm. can I take something, this nugget of brilliance and really expand it and tell this story? And I think the third was, is it a fast paced, high growth environment, which I've learned that I thrive in. And so I started embarking on this journey to understand what founders today needed um, and do it through a lens of what makes me happy. Do it through a lens of what fuels me. Can I wake up every day being excited to get out of bed? And that, you know, so the journey began, I guess.
1: Amazing. And and I want to keep going, but I also want to first touch back and ask a quick question. So, you know, as people are listening to this, and I used to be in that spot too, where, you know, working for a brand It it was a great ride. Really, I would say, you know, it looked great from the outside too, but realized I wasn't really taking care of myself as well. And are there specific signs or things that you think people can ask themselves if they're questioning, you know, maybe I should be looking at something differently or maybe there's a, a, a different route for me. I think what you just said was... Excited to get out of bed—that's a really tangible, like, measurable thing. It's a, it's a kind of pass/fail type thing, in percentages over time. But were there other signs for you where you just realized, hey, something's got to change here. There, this is a sign.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely for me, a marker was getting out of bed, right? Mm-hmm. Like getting out of bed, mm-hmm. excited to leap up and and get into it. Um, I think you know we often. Champion this idea of being overworked. Mm-hmm. I know, for, yes. <laughs> I know for me, being overworked in some ways became a marker of my success. It felt good to be the last person at the office. It felt good to barely sleep in preparation for a big meeting or a presentation. It felt like I was winning in some way when in reality, it was my physical or emotional state and really I would say even my mental state of like how sharp am I how really truly ready and prepared am I Mm -hmm. I think that was suffering I think asking yourself this question of even if I am accomplishing the goals that I set out to do I feel fulfilled and am I taking those moments to feel I certainly for me gratitude was the thing that I think was missing and this feeling of fulfillment where I and I think you said it you know out in the world um, and to the outside world was really experiencing a lot of validation and certainly a lot of excitement around the work I was doing and such pride for my team. I wasn't really feeling it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that in some ways, like it was a quick trigger. I had reached a point where I felt really good about the work I was doing, but then there was this other thing that I wanted to tackle. So it wasn't necessarily that I think I was, you know, living in this negative space for a long time, it was that I think as one area of your life becomes, um, let's say, even momentarily solidified, or under control, all of a sudden, these other areas become magnified. Mm -hmm. To be in a position where I was in a place of my life, career wise, that I had always dreamed of, and yet not feeling these feelings of fulfillment, that was really the moment that made me take a pause and say, OK, what's missing? Mm-hmm. And it was this question of, am I happy? Am I finding joy in this every day that really made me embark on this journey?
1: Thank you for sharing that, because I think it's helpful to to have those questions and do the the, the audit, you know, because time is everything. And so whenever you decide to do it, you know, it's never too late. OK, so then then what? <laughs>
0: Yeah. And so it was really, again, this interesting question of like, can I be successful and happy? And I think in a weird way, I met, I met with, I was met by myself with a lot of apprehension. I was not a believer and I have watched incredible friends do incredible things, become successful entrepreneurs with no fear. And for me, I don't think that was the case. I think I had to build my own courage, you know, and really think through once I understood what might make me happy, then it's about how do you do it? And in some ways for me, it got to a point where I was like, what, what do I have to lose? Right? Like, what is the worst case scenario? If I actually do go out and try to be happy and successful at the same time, what's the worst case, that, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? And it's funny because often when we're met with fear, if we really take that pause and we think about that worst case scenario, it's really not that bad. So I basically started to look at everything through this filter of what fuels me and what makes me happy. Telling stories, working with great founders, being in a fast paced, high growth environment. And I gave myself a couple of months and said, let me go explore. And I ended up, quite frankly, falling almost in accident into consulting. And I started working for a couple of founders here in New York that were facing challenges in their marketing or brand functions and tried to approach it in a way that fueled me. I felt like one, getting very involved in the founder experience and working with them as a human, becoming a real part of their journey, becoming a real part of their growth. And at the same time, trying to understand what they needed internally from a more functional perspective. Through that journey, about three months later, my now company Fahrenheit was born. And really what Fahrenheit is, is we're a flying marketing team. We work with founders at the 30,000 foot level and at the thousand foot level, really helping them to navigate what it takes to launch or relaunch any brand or product. So if you think back to my filter for decision making, fast paced, high growth environment, we're working predominantly with startups who are in their nascent stage of growth. Is there a founder that I can both learn from and teach? So working with founders who are on a journey and who are on a mission and being able to collaborate and share ideas and be a partner and a thought partner to them as they're building their businesses and bringing their brands to life? And is there an amazing story to be told? Well, I'm working today on 10 different brands in 10 different industries with 10 vastly different stories. So it's almost like the ultimate dream. And I think the real moment for me of clarity was when I started doing this work I was literally jumping out of bed in the morning. And you had asked that question before, of like, what are the other markers? I think I say this to my team on a regular basis, like in the middle of the day, I'll look at them and be like, how much fun are we having? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, years ago, I had seen at this event called the Cherry Bomb Festival, I had seen Ina Garten speak. And she talked about, will we have fun as a question and a filter for decision making that internally her and her husband use to decide what they should do or what they should not do. And she's a star on the Food Network. She's written many cookbooks. Her and her husband sort of have this relationship that all of her fans admire. And I watched her during this event. And I think that was the first moment that it really dawned on me that you could potentially do both. It really was this incredible aha moment that I think stayed with me. And I've often thought back to now because now that I'm having fun, I totally understand (laughs) what she's talking about.
1: What's the biggest contributing factor to the fun, do you think? Where is the fun coming from that wasn't there before under a different scenario? Is it the freedom to create your own fun? What's different? I think for me, having that sense of freedom
0: and autonomy Mm -hmm. is something Mm -hmm. that I didn't know I needed or that I would thrive in. And back to, you know, watching others become entrepreneurs throughout my career and not necessarily having the courage or feeling like I could do it was, I think, a big aha for me. And that feeling of accomplishment versus fulfillment, you know, the idea of like, I woke up and I did this is very fulfilling. And I think that in that fulfillment, I have a ton of gratitude and I feel very grateful. I feel grateful to the founders that have come along on this journey with us and that are putting their faith and trust in us. I feel grateful for my team you know, that has like jumped on board as we were working out of my apartment with $2,000 in the bank and grateful for the journey. So I think gratitude has become a really important factor for me. I think freedom and flexibility to create and to create a space and a culture that champions that. For me, I also know that mobility and looking at sort of life in a more fluid way is what really works for me. I have never been the person that is at my most creative in a nine to five office. And ironically, I was in one for 15 years Mm -hmm. and I would find my inspiration or I would find my creativity often when I traveled. You sort of for me, I got into this rhythm where I almost felt like there was two people. I was one Farron at my most inspired, most creative with my most you know sense of clarity. And then I was Farron in the office who was kind of running a million miles a minute at every problem, you know, hopefully still being successful, but again, not necessarily rooted or centered. And I think that by becoming an entrepreneur, I've really allowed myself to craft what works. That has ultimately been what's created the fun. The fun is living my truth in terms of what I really believe I am a superhero at. And waking up every day and doing it creating a culture and an environment that is fun to work in where I think our team feels, or at least I hope they feel championed, fulfilled, supported and loved, which I I think is just one of the ways I lead. And I think asking that question every day of like, will this be fun? Will this bring Mm -hmm. us joy? Will we be fulfilled by working in this? Is this a client where we think that we fit culturally? I think asking myself all those questions in a more intentional way has created an environment where, I think again about can we be successful and build a successful business and can we have fun doing it? And for me, I'm always going to work hard. I would argue I'm probably a workaholic. I am fueled by it. I love it. And so if I'm going to do it and I'm going to spend most of my time with my team, with founders, I better have fun doing it.
1: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Heads up, everyone. Just a quick update on the Renegade Brand Bootcamp. We are open for enrollment, and the dates are listed on the website for the next program. This is the 2020 program, and I am so excited. You can head to renegadebrandbootcamp.com for all the information, and the good news is it's early bird. So if you're interested, even remotely curious, just sign up for the email series because I go through a lot of the details and questions that you might have. I've gathered just through feedback and research what is on most people's minds at this point when they're thinking about entering the program. So... Just sign up if you're interested, and um, time is of the essence because we are in early bird. There are limited seats, and um, I do give you the opportunity to reach out to me directly with questions, too, if you go through the the email series. So renegadebrandbootcamp.com is where you will find everything and be able to learn about the experiences that previous graduates, the alumni, have had, and we have an FAQ as well. So head to the website if you want to learn more. Hi everyone, if you are digging this podcast, please do us a favor and subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. It just takes a moment and it means a ton to us. Also, after recording more than 100 episodes, I've created a bit of a cheat sheet on the top five things I've learned from renegades and how they get from idea to action, from dreaming to doing. I will email you the downloadable PDF you subscribe to my newsletter, just head to amyjomartin.com and click on connect with me. Okay, so here you are and you've decided to get as brave as possible and seek the combo of the success and the joy. What were the very, very first steps after you greenlit that idea and what did that initial you know, phase look like? I think phase 1 looked like panic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: I had for lack of a better word been climbing the corporate ladder. I thought that I was on a path. I thought I knew what I wanted. And then I had this like instinct that was bubbling up in me that this peace, this fun, this joy, this happiness was really missing. And I think I really quite frankly had a mid-career crisis. It was again an incredible ride at Sweetgreen and I knew what I was seeking right back to that emotional question, but I did not know how to get there. And in reality, what it led me to was this question of like, what do I want to do with my life? And I ended up starting actually a company. I was surrounded kind of again by these incredible entrepreneurs who are launching product. And through a VC that I had had an incredibly long relationship with, we kind of came up with this idea to launch a CPG brand. And I embarked on that journey for about nine months. I built this brand. I raised money and I realized that it was actually not the right world role and fit for me. Um, it was a really hard experience. You know, first having gone out into the world, sort of championing this idea, talking about it, sharing it with people, raising capital for it getting investors on board and then having that gut instinct that, wait, I'm, I'm not on the right path. And this dedication, if you will, to seeking happiness and fulfillment at the same time is, I think, what gave me the courage in this case to actually say goodbye. And there was a ton of ego and challenges around my ego that I had to deal with in order to do that. And so I decided to walk away from the startup that I had launched. It was as I said, a really emotional and challenging experience. I had learned so much in the process and in some ways it had clarified even more so what I should or shouldn't be doing. You know, what kind of environment, what kind of values, what kind of work is really going to fuel me? And back to that question we we talked about before, you know, what am I extraordinary at? And One of the things I realized during that process was that the road to clarity is often unclear. It takes a lot to become super clear and have things crystallized. And if I hadn't failed this startup, or at least in my mind felt like I had failed, I would have never gotten to this place of clarity of the things that I was extraordinary at and what I really was willing to say no to. And so I would say for me, You know, entrepreneurship is as much about the wins as it is about the failures. It's as much about the challenges as it is about the opportunities. And out of the rubble of that failed startup is really what came this clarity of, I want to tell stories, I want to work with founders, and I want to work in a high-growth, fast-paced environment because that is where I thrive,
1: and that is where I know I can add the most value. Amazing. I am so grateful that you shared that because it's interesting how – you know, the, that was such a gift, in my opinion, um, from the outside looking in for you because you were able to really kind of exercise <laughs> what it was you did want to do. And for you to have the strength to say, hold up, this isn't the direction that I set out to go in, opportunity to learn from it and try again. Not everyone would do that, you know. They would make it happen out of out of ego and keep going. And you could still be sitting there with the CPG brand, not living in your zone of genius, maybe unha- more unhappy or, or less fulfilled, joyful than you were before. And and it took a lot of courage for you to be like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to actually do this again." So I just I have full body chills. I'm so grateful you shared that because I think you know, we hear these romantic stories about people, whether they leave the corporate world or they just the startup world raising money and it's romantic and it's hustle grind. And then they're a unicorn and there's these great articles coming out. And that's not the reality of the situations. And so I just, it's so inspiring that, that that was your journey. And I hope you continue to share that. When you look at being your own boss and you've led teams in the past, of course, but now as someone who gets to really decide what is my leadership style under my own rules, what does that look like? Or how do you even navigate creating that that culture and sense of leadership?
0: Yeah, well, first, thank you so much. And I think there's something really freeing about sharing your story and your journey. And there's something really like heart opening about being like, this is me, you know, and not every one's path is the same, nor it should be, you know, our individuality and our, our experiences are kind of like what craft us to be those unique superheroes and give us the, the ability to, I think, grow, you know, in the oddest of ways and maybe not that odd, but the greatest challenges, and certainly the year, you know, 2019 was one, the greatest challenges are, are often the greatest lessons, and they come at a high price. And if they were easy, they wouldn't be as remarkable. And so I think that sharing the story and being open about it has been like such an incredible shift for me. And I think that as an example to your question, is one of the values we bring to our company every day. You know, how do we be transparent and how do we open? How do we create space for sort of that emotional growth? Um, working with founders in the early stages of their, of their growth is an emotional ex- experience. Oh, yeah. You know, they are in many cases putting their heart and their soul and often their money into an idea and an idea that they deeply believe in. So I think in a weird way, one of the values of Fahrenheit is like be emotional, have passion, but let's be open and transparent and communicate about it. Let's be there for one another. I was actually watching um, Cheer on Netflix. I'm not sure if you watched it.
1: (laughs) I watched the first um, series or episode or whatever last weekend, that's so funny. I just had heard about it. And I'm all, there's like a meme going around
0: of someone being like, have you watched Cheer on Netflix? I'm literally that meme. But it was such an (laughs)
1: incredible
0: moment for me because I was watching it and in professional cheerleading, they're stunting. Mm -hmm. And stunting and pyramids require a team. And there is no successful pyramid or stunt, if you will, without every single person being on their A game, being focused and being there for one another. And you literally have each other's lives in your hands. And I actually woke up and on Monday morning, we have a team meeting every Monday morning and I gave that metaphor to my team. So I think... You know, we are trying to create an environment and an experience that is is first democratic. And what I mean by democratic is everyone at Fahrenheit has a say. They have a say in our growth. They have a say in how we do things because we are all on this journey together. And if somebody has a better idea for how things should be done or how we should operate or the way we should behave, I am all ears. And I try to champion that and give people that autonomy. And I think in autonomy is where you find accountability. If I feel like I own something, if I feel like I have the ability to change something, I am accountable to those results. And I think that for me, how I've decided on my values, I would say it's it's a bit organic, you know in and in some ways, I'm mimicking my founders' experiences. So you know, Fahrenheit started in March of last year with two thousand dollars in the bank. I was working. 20 hour days, six and a half days a week out of my apartment with the handful of members of my team that were like, all right, I'm in, I'm down for this journey. I'm I'm along for the ride. And I think that I've just tried to take an approach that is intentional and creating values is an intention, right? Making sure that there is that moment of pause where everyone on the team is both taken care of and also taking care of our clients, their work and each other. And so I think for me, my values have been created by how do I want to show up in the world? What is most important to me?
1: And then how do I
0: use behaviors to translate that with my team?
1: There's something to be said about the pride of starting with a founder you know, and your team at this early foundational stage and phase. So did you start with... Interns? Did you start with, you know, freelance or how did you literally kind of get started? Because this is a different path than going out and raising money and having a big pool and pot of funds to pay salaries and stuff.
0: Totally. Started out just me for the first three months, hustling, working, and ironically, doing things that I hadn't done in, in 10 years you know, leading teams in marketing functions, as you grow in sort of your leadership, you're actually doing less work. And one of the things I found was that I actually thrive in the work. One of my old mentors and bosses once said to me, stop acting like a director. And it was at a later stage in my career. And what she meant by that was sort of step into your leadership. You can't do the work and lead. And so I think as you grow in your career, More and more of your time is around coaching, mentoring, leading, hiring, teaching, doing strategic work. Um, And I found myself at the dawn of Fahrenheit doing things that I literally had not done in years. I had to call older employees of mine and be like, hey, how do I do this? (laughs) You (laughs) You know, the most granular of marketing tasks. And I took on three clients. And somewhere in the middle of the third, I said, okay, this is too much. And I'm also have enough money to hire my first employee. Mm -hmm. I got connected through a friend to someone who I offered a job within 10 minutes of meeting. I was so desperate for help. We met at a coffee shop and I literally was like, do you want to start right now? And (laughs) I was and I was paying her, you know, a very small weekly salary just to get in the game. And I think we've been sort of as a team really having conversations around where do we need to grow and where do we need more resources Today we're six people full time with a handful of freelancers that work with us as well. And I think that transition from freelance into full time is really a twofold question. Back to sort of the filter of can I be successful and also happy? I think I try to think about what is going to help make the company successful? Can we remain profitable? You know, can we afford another full time employee, like really tactical, technical questions that as a founder, you have to ask yourself, looking at your revenue, looking at your margins. And in a service business, that's also and often really complicated because, you know, you're working with clients, their timelines shift, their budgets shift. All of a sudden it impacts your business. So being really thoughtful from the successful framework and then happy, which is, is this person adding value? Are they a member of the family? Does the rest of the team enjoy working with them? Do they add to our culture? Can they make an impact on our founders? And that's really what's led me piece by piece to adding people to my teams. And not having venture money, which in the past I've had at every organization I've worked for, it's both a blessing and in some ways a curse, right? I think the blessing is that we have 100% freedom to grow and build and change and shift and work with our founders in really any capacity. And sort of this mentality of we support early stage founders with that mentality has to come an understanding of their path and journey. Often they need us to jump in. And if we are independent and autonomous, sometimes we can make concessions and say like, we're here for that founder. Let's jump in. Let's do the work. Who cares about the scope? Often in some ways against the successful side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is fulfilling and it makes us happy to be able to make an impact. And I think it's deeply rewarding for our team. And so I think it's this looking at things from two-phased approach of how do we drive a successful, profitable business, which today we are, and how do we grow at a pace that is meaningful?
1: Mm-hmm. And to your point about, you know, let's say you're, you're way outside of scope, but you are doing what needs to be done, that ROI will come down the road, right? I mean, there's, there's an investment you're making and you're developing results and relationships that will continue to pay the dividends. First of all, congratulations. When I reached out to you to chat, I uh, there's something about your eye and your style and vibe that comes through online that is so unmatched, Farron. And I say that being extremely just from the heart, genuine. It's so hard to do. It, you know, our, the space is noisy of marketing and connecting and humanizing. And um, so for people listening, make sure you check out, especially Instagram. Um, is it just at Fahrenheit? F-A-R-R-Y-N-H-E-I-G-H-T is the company name. You'll, you'll see exactly what I mean. So if you're looking for some inspiration, like definitely do it uh, as a marketer and you know, growing up in very classic branding and marketing world, I really appreciate, you know, you can see you're living in your zone of genius. It's it's tangible. And we haven't talked in a long time, but it's, it's fun to reconnect and, and see that. So yeah, props, major props. Thank you. You have me
0: blushing over here. And I think
1: that, you know,
0: that really comes from finding your North Star. You know, I'm in my mid-30s. It took me a while to get here. And success and happiness or fulfillment or being inspired or waking up at a bed, you know, jumping out of bed every morning, like eager to get to work. I think it hasn't been an easy path. Mm -hmm. And I think that finding the thing that really fuels you can center you in a way that is palpable, right? In a way that you can feel through Instagram or through the internet, it's an energy. And I think that when you find it, You know, you can call it many different things, but when you find it, hold on to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we talk about the values or the growth of our business or where we're going to go, really understanding that if I hold true to that, if I hold true to my truth, if I hold true to the things that fuel me, I'll actually be more successful has been one of the greatest unlocks for me in my life. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's huge. And I think, you know, it's funny how now I look back and I'm like, what was I waiting for? what was I afraid of? And I actually have a dear friend who you and I know. Um, it's actually the person that introduced us, who for many years has been saying to me, start an agency. And I've always been like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, why? Uh-huh. And yeah, then it just became a question of why not now? And in an interesting way, if I had forced it before I was ready, I don't know that it would have been as successful. No, I think for me, creating that that clarity and finding the truth of really what I want to do, which is tell stories in a way that is supportive and fun, that doesn't try to remove the emotion of building and creating. Like all of those things came to life at the exact moment where I needed it. And I think that if you are, you know, trying to find your path, if you're trying to find what you want to do, I think really thinking about the things that make you happy thinking about the things that fuel you is the place to start. And I think the success will come. I mean, you're a great example of that. You know, I feel like I've watched you in your career and trying different things and moving into different arenas and moving into different areas. And now you're having these conversations with entrepreneurs and creatives and incredible people. Like, who better to do that than you? So I think it's just such an interesting thing how we often don't talk about happiness and skill and talent as a filter for decision-making and really understanding this idea that if you are rooted in that, if you know what you're best at and you lean into it, you're going to be successful. Success will come because I think when you're authentically yourself, your individuality and who you are comes to life.
1: A hundred percent. And it's one of the signs that you are on you know the right path I think is Success does not have to be such a struggle. And that doesn't mean you don't have to work, you know, put in your hard yards, but that grind, chase, grasp mentality that and hustle is can be taken so far that you have blinders to a certain extent where you think that's just the way it goes. You sacrifice. And I didn't know there was another way until I started experimenting as as you did. And so it's yep. just... When you said earlier, you know, had you had nothing really to lose, or, or what's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, so you go on a journey and you decide to raise some money and get you know involved in building a CPG brand, and then you decided that wasn't for you, and so you shifted, and so and look at where you are now. So actually, that wasn't that bad. It was probably the best thing, but we just get so freaked out about that worst case scenario, and we know. What actually happens is there is time to make adjustments. It's not like it's doomsday overnight. And it's almost like, is it safe enough to try? And the answer is almost always yes, you know. Yeah, no, I mean I, I think that question I had
0: asked myself. And I think that we often ask ourselves like the why, right? And why shouldn't I do this? And if the answer is I'm afraid or I'm afraid of failure. And remember before I had asked my I had I had asked myself, I had told you sort of like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And it happened to me. I had a failed startup. Like, that was my nightmare. And the reality was, it was difficult. It was challenging. It took courage. I had to be brave. I had to navigate it through the best of my abilities and really look at my values as a how to do it. Like, I tried to do the right thing. I tried to do it transparently, authentically, with heart. And it's funny because those are all things I've now taken into my business. So first I had, I experienced the worst case scenario and the truth is it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was it really gave me the courage and the safe space, if you will, to leap into Fahrenheit. I had nothing to lose and I had everything to gain. And I knew that if I was going to rebuild and I was going to fight. I was going to do it with heart. I was going to do it with passion. And that really gave me, again, the clarity of this filter. The things that I've been talking about, which, again, for me, have been storytelling in a fast-paced, high-growth envi- environment and helping founders build, became like a mantra. It became this filter for decision-making that I have used over and over again. And in some ways, I think my core values, right? And you can translate them or name them into anything that you want, but creating that clarity for yourself of like, how do I make decisions is really powerful.
1: It's very apparent because you keep going back to that. And even, you know, the yeses and nos with cost benefit analysis, like what, what are my trade-offs here? And going through some sort of filter is so important. In fact, a friend of mine, who's, who's just an incredible entrepreneur, he says, um, I don't, make goals, I make filters, and then put my decisions through those filters and I end up exceeding any goal I would ever set anyway. So shifting gears and just a final question here, what's one thing you find yourself learning over and over?
0: The thing I find that I'm learning over and over again is that you can't separate the human experience from a professional one. And I think remembering and realizing that we are all people trying to accomplish our goals and dreams And doing our very best, I think, most of the time with good intention to get there has been a a real unlock for me. Mm -hmm. I would say that sort of one of the secret sauces of Fahrenheit is the support and friendship we develop with our partners and with our teams, that level of, of human investment. And I often think that in the workplace, we lose sight of the people side and we look at teams as functions And we don't always consider or even really know what people are going through. I think here at Fahrenheit, I've almost made it impossible to separate work and life. And I think for me, I realized that when I created fluidity around it, we are more impactful. And I hope that we are a better culture. You know, stepping, if I know what one of my teammates, if you will, is experiencing, whether that's through work or in her personal life, I can be a better leader I can be a better support system and I can be a better teacher. If I know that someone is struggling with getting something done, maybe they don't know how to write a marketing plan because they've never worked in this category before, I can step in and call a friend who's in that world and get them a mentorship session. You know, I can do and adjust and evolve as a leader if I remember that we're all human and I bring that level of humanity into work every day. That's the thing I have continuously learned. And I think part of that is that we're all learning, you know, going under the hood at a variety of different companies and so many different categories. I think what I've learned is at some point we're all a freshman. And what I mean by that is we're all doing something for the first time. I use this metaphor of a freshman often because I think it like takes four years to really become good at something. And by the time you're at your senior year, you're looking at college. Mm-hmm. Like by the time, you know, like every time that I started a new job on some level, I know what I, I knew what I was doing. But on some level, I had never been there before. When I started as the head of marketing at Sweetgreen, I had never been there before. I had never been in a fast, casual retail restaurant uh, organization. I had never been at that level of my career. I had to learn about the food system. I had to learn. So while I had this subject matter expertise, I was a freshman. And slowly but surely, I learned and I grew and I built my expertise. And by the time I got to that sort of level of seniority, it was time for the next destination. So I think remembering that we're all humans who are learning and growing, and we're all equipped to grow into, I think, really anything that we want if we create that level of decision-making, that filter, if you will, to help lead us
1: there. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing the details and the journey you know the the whole story I really appreciate it and we're cheering you on and um, I just I am grateful for your time and your wisdom and we will continue to watch where you fly. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Joe Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your Why Not Now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to whynotnow at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then... Why not now?